Welcome to the Church Music Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Harmon. The Church Music Makers Podcast is sponsored by EasyChoirMusic.com. If you're a choir director, whether it's for churches, whether it's for schools, go to EasyChoirMusic.com. It's such a great resource for finding and buying music for your groups. You purchase a PDF and you can make as many copies as you need for as long as you need to. So if you lose music or music might walk off and not get returned or it might get damaged, it's okay. You don't have to spend a dollar to three dollars on a new copy of music. You just go to the printer and run another copy. Super easy. So go check them out. Today's topic is about our phones and about social media. This is a tough one. And, and a lot of this, I'm speaking to myself because I'm, I'm struggling with this and I'm guessing that you probably are as well. Do you remember back not too long ago, but years ago when we didn't have information right at the tips of our fingers, if you wanted to call somebody, you couldn't just press their contact on your phone. You had to actually dial those numbers. I know if you're a little bit younger and you're listening to this, this is a foreign concept. But I still remember my home phone number growing up. It's still there in my head, in my memory bank. Most other numbers outside of my mother's phone number, my wife's phone number, that's pretty much it that I can remember now. Because if I get somebody's phone number, I'm putting it in my phone as their contact and I don't remember it. If I want to call them, I just type in their name and look at that, it magically pops up. Well, I've started reading a very fascinating book called How to Break Up with Your Phone. Um, It's by an author named Catherine Price. I'm just early into the book, but there was a lot at the beginning that really caught my attention. So I'm gonna dive into that a little bit as as I go through this podcast. The whole idea is this book is a a 30-day step-by-step walking through, not specifically breaking up, but getting rid of or how to better use your phone, how better to use those tools that are around us. And she starts with this open letter to my phone, and I want to read it because I think it's a great place for us to start. Dear Phone, I still remember the first time we met. You were an expensive new gadget available only through AT&T. I was a person who could recite her best friend's phone numbers from memory. When you were launched, I'll admit that your touchscreen caught my eye. But I was too busy trying to type a text message on my flip phone to start something new. Then I held you in my hand, and things started moving fast. It wasn't long before we were doing everything together taking walks, having lunch with friends, going on vacations. At first, it seemed strange that you wanted to come with me to the bathroom, but today it's just another formerly private moment for us to share. We're inseparable now, you and I. You're the last thing I touch before I go to bed and the first thing I reach for in the morning. 
You remember my doctor's appointments, my shopping lists, and my anniversary. You provide gifs and festive emoji that I can send to friends on their birthdays so that rather than feeling hurt that I'm texting instead of calling, they think, ooh, animated balloons. You make it possible for my avoidance strategies to be construed as thoughtfulness, and for this, I am grateful. Bone, you are amazing. I mean that literally. Not only do you allow me to travel across time and space, but I am amazed by how many nights I've stayed up three hours past my bedtime staring at your screen. I can't count the times we've gone to bed together, and I've had to pinch myself to see if I'm dreaming. And believe me, I want to be dreaming because ever since we met, something seems to be messing with my sleep. I cannot believe all of the gifts you've given me, even though many of those gifts are technically things that I bought for myself online while you and I were relaxing in a bath. Thanks to you, I need never to worry about being alone. Anytime I'm anxious or upset, you offer a game or newsfeed or viral panda video to distract me from my feelings. And how about boredom? Just a few years ago, I'd often find myself with no way to pass the time other than to daydream or maybe think. There were even times where I'd get into the elevator at the office and have nothing to look at but the other passengers for six floors. These days, I can't even remember the last time I was bored. Then again, I can't remember a lot of things. Like, for example, the last time my friends and I made it through a meal without anyone pulling out a phone. Or how it felt to be able to read an entire magazine article in one sitting. Or what I said in the paragraph above this one. Or whose text I was looking at right before I walked into that poll. Or whatever. My point is, I feel like I can't live without you. And that's why it's so hard for me to tell you that we're needing to break up. Now, that might not be everything true for you, but I'm guessing that there was probably a few nuggets that kind of hurt. Did for me when I read it the first time, the second time, the third time, and so on. Our phones, our iPads, our gizmos, and social media, they're all tools they can be used efficiently and effectively, but they can also be overused and they can also cause major problems in our lives like what was shared in that open letter. And we're going to dive into some of those as we move along. But another interesting part of this book um, is that she brings up this smartphone compulsion test. Um, it was developed by Dr. David Greenfield, founder of the Science Center for Internet and Technology Addiction. Yes, addiction. So she says, just circle in the book. So just think about these. Circle the questions that apply to you. One, do you find yourself spending more time on your cell or smartphone than you realize? Two, do you find yourself mindlessly passing time on a regular basis by staring at your sm cell or smartphone? Three, do you seem to lose track of time when on your cell or smartphone? Four, do you find yourself spending more time texting, tweeting, or emailing as opposed to talking to people in person? Five, has the amount of time you spend on your cell or smartphone been increasing? Six, do you wish you could be a little less involved with your phone? 
Seven, do you sleep with your cell or smartphone turned on under your pillow or next to your bed regularly? Eight, do you find yourself viewing and answering texts, tweets, and emails at all hours of the day and night, even if it means interrupting other things that you are doing? Nine, do you text, email, tweet, Snapchat, Snapchat, Facebook, message, or surf while driving or doing other similar activities that require your focused attention and concentration? Ten, do you feel your use of your cell or smartphone decreases your productivity at times? Eleven, do you feel reluctant to be without your cell or smartphone even for a short time? Twelve, do you feel ill at ease or uncomfortable when you accidentally leave your smartphone in the car or at home, have no service, or have a broken phone? Thirteen, when you eat meals, is your cell or smartphone always part of the table place setting? Fourteen, when your cell or smartphone rings, beeps, or buzzes, do you feel an intense urge to check for texts, tweets, emails, updates, and so on. 15. Do you find yourself mindlessly checking your cell or smartphone many times a day, even when you know there is likely nothing new or important to see? So 15 questions. How many of those 15 did you answer? Well, here's the interpretation of the score. If you circled one or two or said yes to one or two of them, one or two of the 15, your behavior is normal, but that doesn't mean you should live on your smartphone. Three or four, your behavior is leaning toward problematic or compulsive use. Five or above, it is likely that you may have a problematic or compulsive smartphone use pattern. Eight or higher, If your score is higher than eight, you might consider seeing a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or psychotherapist who specializes in behavioral addictions for a consultation. And then she says in the paragraph following, the only way to score below five on this test is to not have a smartphone. And so I, in in the Church Music Makers Facebook group, I put up a poll this week because I knew I was going to have this podcast. I said, how do you feel about your your phone usage? And I gave three choices. One was I'm using it too much. Two, I think I'm using it just right. And three, I don't have a phone. I don't have a smartphone. Um, That one I got no answers, uh, which I figured I'd get no votes for because we all do. We all have some kind of smartphone for the most part. Um, I ended up with a majority very high majority, that said, yes, I feel like I'm using it too much. There were a few answers that were, I I feel like I'm I'm using it the right amount. That is fantastic. And like I said before, these are tools and, and there are some positives. There are some benefits that we get out of having them. I mean, having the resources that we have at our fingertips is amazing and phenomenal. I mean, you remember the days of encyclopedias where you had to look up information? Those things took up a lot of space. Or books. I love being able to have uh, the Kindle app on my iPad that I can have stacks and stacks and stacks of books that fit into this one tiny little space. 
or even sheet music. Seriously, I can scan my music, turn it into a PDF, and I've got stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of music that I can access at the tip of my finger. That is great and a huge resource to have. But it's all about how we interact with them. I'm going to hit you with a little bit more from the book. Here's some facts about us and our phone usage. Americans check their phones about 47 times per day. For people between 18 and 24, the average is 82. Collectively, this adds up to more than 9 billion, that's a B, billion phone checks every day. On average, 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 Americans spend more than four hours a day on their phones. That amounts to about 28 hours a week, 112 hours a month, or 56 full days a year. Nearly 80% of Americans check their phones within a half hour of waking up. Half of us check our phones in the middle of the night. Among 25 to 34-year-olds, it's more than 75%. We're using our phones so much that we're giving ourselves repetitive strain injuries such as texting thumb, text neck, and cell phone elbow. More than 80% of Americans report that they keep their phones near them almost all the time. Almost all the time. During waking hours. In fact, my phone is in my pocket right now. Nearly 5 out of 10 Americans agree with this statement. I can't imagine my life without my smartphone. We've got problems. The phone can be a good tool. It can be a help. It can be a tremendous resource. But it also causes problems. Right? We, we think we can multitask. We think we can do lots of different things because of our smartphones. Not the case. We think that we are able to be more attentive to things. Uh, no. Anytime we have, it seems like at least, okay, for me, <laughs> really, I'm speaking for myself here. Whenever there's a down moment that I have, uh, my instinct has been to go to my phone. I'm trying to break that. I'm working on it, which is part of the reason why I checked the book out from the library. Or sleeping. Goodness gracious. I, I, I have my phone as my alarm. And I have my phone right next to me, right next to the bed. And so, of course, first thing I do after I turn off my alarm, well, hey, the glowing screen is calling but is that the healthiest thing to do? Probably not. Now, I'm, I'm only just a little bit into the phone, in, into the phone, into the book. That was a Freudian slip. I'm into the book, just a little bit into this book. And, and right now, the way she begins the book is to basically hit you with all these uh, problems and why, why, uh, why we struggle with our, our using our phones and overusing our phones. And so you get hit with all the bad news. And then um, what I'm looking forward to reading is those steps to make that space and make that intentionality for using 
our phones. So some of the things, though, that I've picked up along the way and I've, I've tried to implement from time to time, and I've not actually gotten to this point yet, I intend to very soon, try a weekend without your phone. I mean, just flat out turn it off, stick it in a drawer from Friday night to Sunday night. Like I said before, my phone is in my pocket. I carry my phone pretty consistently with me probably about 98% of the time. And I'm trying to be better about that. My wife, from time to time, has forgotten her phone at home and I'll text her something and not get a response and not get a response and then she'll send me an email. I forgot my phone at home. And it's a challenge because I'm not able to communicate with her because it is nice to be able to, if I have a thought, I can send it to her so she's got it and I don't have to wait and remember. This one I have done and it's actually been very helpful. Turn off notifications. Yes, it's a little bit of work going into the settings and saying, I don't want that update when somebody posts a really funny video of a dog or when they post what they ate for dinner. I don't need that. Or I don't need to know the latest score of this game. Because what will happen is you see the score and all of a sudden it's, well, hey, I can do this or I can go here. And the next thing you know, you've wasted an hour. I've done it. I'm embarrassed by it, but I've done it. Delete apps, especially social media. What do I mean? Well, it's so easy when you have that social media app there that it's just sitting there and it's calling you. Right. I've actually taken them off my phone. So if I want to go to Facebook or I want to go to Twitter, I have to physically log in. And it makes me think about what I'm doing before I do it. It's so easy mindlessly to just hit that app and poof, there it is. And now you're in this vast world of updates. What about when you get home for the evening, putting your phone in airplane mode? Or some phones like the iPhone. I have an iPhone, so um, I'm much more much more familiar with it. Put your put your phone to sleep. That there's there's settings on uh, do not disturb. I'm sorry, not sleep. Uh, do not disturb. Put your phone on do not disturb. I have it set up right now from nine to four, nine p.m. to four a.m. Um, I'm actually I've toyed with setting it a little bit earlier because my girls go to bed at about. 730, uh, four o'clock is when I get up to walk in the morning. So that way I'm not distracted and can actually focus on sleeping or focus on being with my wife or whatever it is that I need to do. Don't sleep with your phone next to your bed. This is hard. I mean, like I said, I use my phone for my alarm in the morning uh, because like I said, I get up at four in the morning to go for a walk and that way I don't have to have it as loud and it's not going to go off for as long, which could possibly wake up my wife and, you know, getting her back to sleep. Eh, not always the easiest thing once she's awake. 
but put it somewhere else, whether it's in a completely different room, whether it's somewhere away from your bed. And set guidelines around time on your phone. Don't just mindlessly check your phone again and again. Say, okay, from, let's say I'm up at six o'clock, right? So I wake up, I, I have my devotion in the morning. From this period in time, whether it's 10 minutes or whatever it is, this is the time that I'm going to check social media and limit yourself. Set an alarm to say, okay, this is going to go off and I'm done with it for today. So that during the day, I'm not going to check. I'm going to be productive. I'm going to get things done. And then maybe you set another time in the evening to check up. Now, this may be a process. I completely get it because I'm right there. I'm going through it right now. I'm trying to set those guidelines to say, okay, this point in the day, and at this point, I'm kind of at in the morning, over lunch, and in the evening so that I'm scaling back. I'd like to get to the point where it's once a day or maybe even once a week. I know that's radical, but it, it can be possible. But ultimately, these are all tools. And so there is a use for them. I mean, it's great to be able to keep up with people around us. And we're going to dive into that aspect of it in a little bit. But how we engage and how we interact with our phones and the technology around us is so important. Ultimately, we are in control. The phone, the gizmo isn't. They're designed to be in control. They're designed to suck us in and keep us sucked in. But we have to be able to say this wonderful two-letter word that many of us probably struggle with. No. EasyChoirMusic.com is the sponsor for the Church Music Makers podcast and ChurchMusicMakers.com. They've got great, great resources. The easy part of it isn't that it's simple music. It's accessible music, whether that's two-part music, SAB music, SATB music. There are some great pieces there by some fantastic composers and arrangers. Some you've never heard of, like me. Some you have, and it's great to hear and great to access them. I encourage you to go over to the website and check it out because not only is there music, there's also drama resources. There's so much there. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, you purchase a PDF file of your music. So storage makes it super easy, right? You don't have physical music that you have to do something with or at least you don't have to. But the great part is you can make as many copies of the music that you need as long as you hold the music. That's the best part. It's not for a specific period of time. It is indefinitely. They have some fantastic Advent and Christmas pieces. Um, I've been taking the last few Saturdays and uh, sitting down with a cup of coffee and writing a blog post to review a piece. So I encourage you to go check out those on the blog. 
there's some great, great pieces. Uh, the one I did this past Saturday was Come Messiah by Daniel Maddox. Great piece that works so well, whether it's a standalone anthem, whether it's there's a, a responsive reading as a part of it, you can, you can incorporate that. It has an optional part for a flute, optional part for handbells. So there's lots of options you could do with it. It's a two-part piece. It would work great for, like I said, a standalone one Sunday thing or every Sunday in Advent. And if you haven't already been planning for Advent, you probably need to do that now. On to social media. It's the same thing as technology, right? It can be a great tool to keep up with people. Um, to see how kids are growing, to see um, what what's going on in, in the lives of people around us. But it can be such a time waste, honestly. It can be such a distraction from so many things around us. And the biggest question I come back to for me is how do we use it? Now, I'm going to guess, and, and this is the hard part in, in, in thinking about this podcast, that you probably found this podcast and you found Church Music Makers through social media. Great. Thank you. I am very thankful for that. It makes me so happy to know that. And there's a purpose for it, right? There's a great purpose for social media. But <laughs> it can be this time suck where we can get into arguments over silly, silly things. And believe me, I've gotten into my share of arguments and it's not worth the time. It's not worth the effort. And there's this pull and this call and this drive to want to check for what is the latest update? What is going on in somebody else's life? What is the news? It's basically our modern day soap opera, I think. And is that really the most important thing that we're being called to do? I get it. I mean, relationships, yes, they do matter. In, in ministry, absolutely. And it is a great way to keep up with those people involved in our ministries. I, I have Facebook groups for those groups that I have, those music ministry groups that I have. And that's a great tool to build and, and grow those relationships even more. Great. But I don't have to be on it four hours a day on average. Do you remember that? That's what it said, four hours a day on average. That floors me. And yes, there's a great way, I should have said this earlier, but there's a great way you can uh, keep track of, of your use of your phone. There's um, there's lots of tools to do that. But even social media, there's there's tools to track how long you've been on social media. And like I said before, I think the biggest thing is deleting the apps. So that you have to physically log back in or to physically say, you know what, I'm going to take 30 days. I'm going to delete this app from my phone, whether it's whether you use Facebook too much or, or, or Instagram or whatever it is. I'm going to delete it from my phone. And for 30 days, I'm going to track how I use it, whether that's I'm actually going to have to get to a computer and physically log in to use it, or I'm just not going to use it as much. 
you will be surprised, I think. Primarily, you'll be surprised that you're still surviving and actually thriving, but you're going to find things to do with that time. And I think the biggest question we can ask, and it's, it's a personal question to each and every one of us, is how can you use social media better? And like I said, for each person, that's going to mean something different. But it is amazing as to how much we don't verbally communicate with one another anymore. I mean, whether it's texting, whether it's on social media, commenting, whatever. We don't verbally interact with that many people. And yes, for me as an extrovert, almost an introvert, as an extrovert, I love talking and I love talking to people. And so social media has been right up my alley because... It's an easy way to communicate with people. And so there were a lot of times that I overshared about what was going on in my life, what was going on in my head. It was stupid. Absolutely stupid. And now what I'm doing more of is being intentional about what I post. I don't post every day. I don't post multiple times every day. I try to have something that's intentional. And especially with my girls, I would post pictures of them daily when they were younger. And I realized somewhere along the line, that was just not, not the smartest thing to do. And so I'll once in a while post things like Friday was, uh, was wear a a baseball Jersey or baseball t-shirt to school because, uh, well, the Astros are in the playoffs, and they're they're doing really well. So my girls wore their Astros shirts, and, and I'm a big fan of baseball. And I'm a big fan of the Astros. And, and it was great. So I took their picture, and I was like, hey, this is super fun. I'm going to share it. And I did. And it was, you know, good to get the feedback, and that's nice. But did I have to share it? Of course not. Did I think about it? Yes, absolutely. It wasn't an instinctive, oh, my gosh, I have to share this because they're so cute and so fun. No. I know my children are cute. I know my children are talented. I know they're wonderful. Do I have to share it with everybody in the whole entire world? No, I don't. Does that make me a bad father? Of course not. Does it mean that I care about them any less? No, not at all. One of the things that we do sometimes as well is we'll accept every friend request sent to us, whether you actually know them or not. One of the things that I've done lately, because I, I do this, my wife calls it, I Facebook stalk people and I don't, but I, you know, there's, there's people that, I, Hey, you have 50 mutual friends with great. I'll reach out to them because hey, if they know these people, great. But I went back through my Facebook uh, list and when I started, I think I was at right under 2000 friends, friends in quotes, of course, because the majority of them. I don't know. I've never actually talked to them or met them in person. And I went through and said, okay, do, do I have any connection with this person? Am I going to have any kind of connection with that person? And I went from just a little under 2000 friends in air quotes to right about 1350. Now, a lot of those people are people that I went to high school with. I went to college with 
people from the church I serve now, people from the churches that I've previously served. I've had some kind of relationship with them. And, and I was happy with that. Does that mean that that, that number is going to stay the same? I'm, I don't think so. I, I might go back and, and delete a few more. I might add a few more too. I don't know. But whatever I do, it's an intentional choice. It's not an instinctive, oh, hey, they sent a friend request. They must like me. They must want to be knowing things about me. It's not about you, people. It's not about you. You are the one that is in control. And that is what it's about. The next thing, and this is one I'm very guilty of, don't comment on everything. Just because somebody says something doesn't mean you always have to comment or give your snarky feedback if you're on Twitter. My mom, who's 80 years old, has a Facebook page. She doesn't, she's never posted anything, but she wanted it so that she could see um, what my sisters were doing, what I'm doing, what other people that, that were family and friends were doing. And that's it. She doesn't comment usually on, on anybody's posts. She just likes things and that's okay. That's her way of interacting. And so I think that's ultimately where it's at is figuring out what works best for you. What your friend list looks like, that's up to you. How you interact with that list, whether that's, you know, you have 800 friends and there's only 20 that you really closely follow and everybody else you're just friends with and you don't follow the other ones. You can see those 20 then in your newsfeed and you're not inundated with stuff because guess what? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they all use algorithms to post all the stuff that they think you're going to like or what the algorithm says you're going to like or whatever. And so it is hard to control that. But the easy way is just follow those people that you want to follow. Follow those people that you want to know what's going on in their lives. And that's probably going to be the next step for me because I follow everybody that I'm friends with. And there are probably going to be some that I go back and say, eh, I'm okay with being friends with them. It's a casual thing, not a big deal. And I'm going to unfollow them. And all that means is I'm not going to see every post that they have or all the posts that they have. It's a way of filtering and being in control of what I do on social media. Same thing with your phone, right? Setting yourself guidelines, setting yourself a schedule, and then following it. That's the hardest part. I think that's that's probably my biggest struggle is I I can do great at saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. But then actually following through and doing it again and again and again each and every day, that's hard. It's really hard, but I think in the end it's worth it. I say I think in the end it's worth it because I'm not there yet. I'm still in the process. And and I've, I've messed up along the way. I've made mistakes and I've learned from them. At least I've tried to and, and tried to do better and tried to, to be better at what I'm doing. But that's the thing is that 
It's remembering that you're in charge. It takes discipline. It takes going against the flow to make these changes. And I think in the end it is worth it. Social media, our phones, they're tools that helps to make us more engaged with the world around us. And that is a good thing. Keeping up with family. You know, we don't have to write letters or make those three-hour-long phone calls or anything like that. We can keep up on a daily basis. It can make us more engaged with, with those in our ministries. And that's a good thing, too, to be able to say, oh, I see that this person is asking for prayer with this. Well, let me stop and pray right now. Or this person is having a hard time with this. I'm going to follow up with them. There's, there's a lot of positives that can come out of that. But most importantly, making these changes... Thinking about, intentionally thinking about how we interact with social media, with our phones. It gives us much more time to do things. And much more time to be caring about our families. To be caring about our friends. To be actually caring about those people who are actually around us that we interact with. Not in a digital way, but in a real, physical, intangible way. So I'm not saying get rid of your phone. Although I, I'm toyed with the idea of just saying, you know, I know I need a phone. I'm just going to go with a dumb phone. <laughs> I don't know if they're even made. They probably are. But I just I haven't ever gotten to that point where I've pulled the trigger and said, okay, iPhone, be gone. Because I, I am. I, I am addicted. I know I am. And I'm trying to break that addiction. And I know it's going to take work. I know it may be two steps forward and one step back. And it is a journey. But I keep reminding myself that I am in control of it. I have to be in control of it. Because my life, my ministry, my family depends on me making those changes. And maybe it's not as drastic for you. Maybe it's maybe it's something where it's I need to make some smaller changes and that's okay. I'm, I'm hoping that this episode has given you um, some food for thought. And maybe one thing out of all that I've said, one statistic out of all of this hits you and says, you know, maybe I need to move my phone to a different place when I go to bed. Or maybe I need to put my phone on do not disturb or whatever it is. Good. I pray and I hope that that makes that change for you. Because as believers, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And definitely um, technology can be a little bit more of the world. So I pray that we use that influence, we use that example 
in what we do to minister to and to care for other people around us. Once again, I encourage you to go to easychoirmusic.com, check it out. There's some great choir music there. I really, really love it. Go to www.churchmusicmakers.com. Check out what's going on there. And there is a private Facebook group for Church Music Makers as well. Find it. You can link to it. from. It's on the Church Music Makers website. Um, but request access, request to join. I'll give you permission when I get to checking Facebook. And you can, you can join in the conversation there. As we do with every episode, let's close with prayer. Father, you are amazing. You've created the world with your voice, with your word, saying, let there be. You created so many amazing things and allowed so many new things to be created and developed. And you've given us wisdom and imagination and creativity and insight Help us to remember that that wisdom, that insight, that creativity comes from you. Just as the technology that we carry in our hands and in our pockets and all around us is a tool. It is a gift from you and how we use it and how we interact with it needs to give you glory. And so Lord, if, if we're struggling with our time management, especially in regard to our phone or social media. I pray that you would give us that wisdom to see the problem and the understanding and the strength and ability to make the changes that are needed. Give us guidance in what we share and how we share it, in what we say online and how we say it that we are speaking in love, that we are speaking in kindness or typing in love and typing in kindness, that we would give you all glory and that we would use the time, the talents, the tools and the treasures that you have given to us to their fullest capability, honoring and glorifying you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.